to Hive Mind. I'm Meg. I'm here with Eli. Hey, Eli. Hi, Meg. How are you? I'm good. You're loud. I'm going to turn you down just a little. Okay. Um, before we start getting into it, there is there's been a problem with Apple Podcasts <sighs> for about three weeks now. Some Apple Podcast users have not gotten any new episodes of ours on their app since April 27th. What? I know. I am doing everything I can to correct this. I've reached out to Anchor. They're looking into it. It's like I talked to a customer-facing person today, and they're like, this is above my pay grade. We're going to have to get back to you. Like, It's very complicated. I apologize if you're an Apple Podcast listener who has had problems. Mm. I promise we're working on it. Thank you for your patience. That said, Eli... Tell me, what have you been watching? Okay, first I'm going to start with the podcast. Ooh. Have you listened to Dr. Death? <gasps> have you heard of it? I think I've heard of it. I don't think I've listened to it. So Skyler recommended it to me. Apparently his like med school classmates have gotten into it. And it's. I think it's just two seasons so far, but each season they take a big story about a physician who did a lot of bad. Uh-oh. Is it Wonderly? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, And so we listened to season two on a long car ride over the weekend. And it's about a doctor who was giving people chemo, even though they didn't actually have cancer. And it's riveting. They they interview patients, they interview families of patients. They like go through kind of what happened, how it was discovered. Uh, It's very, it's a very like a true crime feel. Yeah. Um, I'm not normally into true crime. I don't like murder stories, for example, but like this was, this was more of like investigative journalism tone. Okay. And it, and it's really good. Skylar listened to the first season. He said the first season is even better. So if you're into that kind of thing, Dr. Death, check it out. We just found it on Apple podcasts. Okay. Okay. And then I watched over the weekend, the interview that uh, Savannah Guthrie did of Ellen. The extended version. Wait, is it a recent interview? Yes. I didn't know this existed. It, she just did it okay. right after it was announced that Ellen. Tell me Dunzo. everything. Meg, it's, you should watch it because I think you'll eat it up. It's the, it, How cringy is it? Uh, that's what I want to talk about. It's cringy. Ellen is, Ellen has turned out to be a pretty weird person. Yeah. So she, for example, she talks in the interview about how she's not surprised her show's ending because a psychic told her that her show would only last 19 years um, back when it started. And she's like very serious about that conversation, which like if you believe in that kind of thing, great. But I didn't know that Ellen was like into that kind of thing. And it was very like weird to hear her all of a sudden just in this interview be like, well, a psychic told me this. That was that seemed like a tone shift for the Ellen that I'm familiar with. Yeah. She talks about how unfair it is that people said she was mean and she denies that she was mean. Um, There are a few things in the interview that I kind of agree with her. She says, I think that some of what drove this was misogyny. And I do agree with that. Okay. I do think that if she was a man, she would have gotten away with this behavior more. That's not good. Um, Do you think so? Yes. In 2021? Yes. I really do. I really do think so. I mean, if it was if she was a man and it was geared if it if it was sexist, you know, meanness. But I don't think Ellen was ever accused of sexism. It was just like hostile work environment well, generally. Oh, right? she was accused of protecting producers who had committed sexual harassment. Okay. That part bad. 
Yeah. But like the hostile work environment claims and like, oh, she's just mean. She's a mean lady or whatever. And I know we've talked about like how, um, you know, David Letterman, Jerry Seinfeld, these people who are like mean and that's their brand. And we've sort of talked about it like, but at least they own it, you know. And I got thinking more about that this weekend. And I was like, no, I'm not willing to give them an at least on this. Okay. Like if you're a jerk and that's your brand, like you deserve to be called out for that. And you don't. You don't deserve that less than someone like Ellen who preaches kindness because say what you will about whether she was creating a hostile work environment. That woman has injected a lot of good into the world. And like she has like given a message for a few decades about like, hey, treat people with kindness. And like, I mean, you can you can disassociate her from that message, but she's done. She has done a lot of good. I think I think that it it would be impossible to overstate how she normalized um, homosexuality mm-hmm. maybe normalize isn't the right word but open people's eyes to the reality of what it is Yeah, um, because she was a woman a lesbian who housewives all over the country tuned in to watch every day yeah. and I think she changed a lot of minds yeah. by being that and I, and I think that she spent two decades on a day to day basis injecting like feel good happy positive stories highlighting like Good sure. people doing good things. That is a good thing. And you can you can appreciate that she did that and still be like, oh, but you kind of seem like you might suck and maybe we shouldn't give you a platform I mean, I, I guess it, it, it comes down to are you okay with someone playing a part when the show is named for them? When they are mm-hmm. presenting themselves as this is the genuine me, here's me, yeah. this isn't scripted, when in fact they're acting. We're actually, this is... An interesting thing for this episode because we are going to get into this with this terrible movie we're going to talk about. <laughs> I I don't I don't I think it's time for Ellen's show to end. Yeah, it's been on a really long time. Her reputation is ruined. I mean, misogyny, yeah, but she is a bad person, and people aren't going to watch her show because she's a bad person. So of course it got canceled. Mm-hmm. Like I do think. I do think there are consequences for your actions and 19 years is a pretty good run to evade those consequences, you know? So I don't, I'm not going to cry tears for Ellen, but I'm going to watch this interview because I'm very interested. And I guess I'm just saying I have mixed feelings about Ellen Yeah, and I'm not willing to like be all in or or all out on her. Uh, and I do think that it's time for this show to end. And I wonder what she'll do next or what she'll do to try and recover from what's happened. I am also really curious, and I don't know that we're ever really going to know. This is probably just one of these things we're never really going to know. How bad How bad was it really? How bad was she really? Because obviously there are competing accounts about a lot of this. Yeah. Um, and if she was really bad, when did that start? Was she right? You know, was were there ten years where like this wasn't this didn't exist at all, and then it slowly built. So Emily and I talked about this on our pop culture pop in the other night. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're if I was a celebrity, I would probably be a jerk, right? Because I think you just get frustrated, Mm -hmm. you know. And if you're talented, you get frustrated when people aren't on your level. And I think it takes a lot of self awareness to not be a jerk Mm -hmm. at certain points. That's John Mulaney has that great bit about Mick Jagger and how people are like, oh, you met Mick Jagger? Was he nice? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why would he be? He's like, or maybe he was for Mick Jagger. But like, <laughs> if you're the kind of person who can like hold out your hand and say Coke and then yeah. somebody puts a Coke in it, like, 
Are you? <laughs> is it possible to remain a nice person the way the rest of us see? Not so. Even, to your yeah, point, yeah. I mean, what her reality probably became distorted. Yeah. I think what's tragic is that there weren't people in her life yeah. to give her a reality check. You know, yeah. and maybe there were, and she ignored them. I don't know, but. She clearly let that distortion take over at some point. I wish we could give Portia a truth serum and get her view on this, because I've read accounts that who knows if they're true, but of Portia basically being like really apologetic to staff about it. And like Ellen snapping at somebody while Portia's there and Portia just being like, I'm sorry, she's having a hard day. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know whether those are true. Yeah. But like everything that I've seen of Portia de Rossi, is that her last name? Yeah. Everything I've seen of her in like interviews, she doesn't give off that same vibe that I I have gotten from Ellen for a while that she can be really prickly. And I'm curious what the dynamic yeah, is. Yeah, I'm I would be so curious to hear that. Um Anne Hayes is on TikTok burning Ellen to the ground with every TikTok she makes. Who is? Anne Hayes, Ellen's first public girlfriend. What is she saying? She she has this TikTok where she rates all her looks, her red carpet looks, and she's like, and here's the one Ellen made me wore because she didn't like me to look sexy and you're like what tell me more about that but she just like moves on that's too bad i know she does not like ellen i just want people to be a lot more forthcoming about everything me too yeah we deserve it anything else that's that's it besides this awful movie what have you been watching okay i finally watched my octopus teacher right i could have done with 50 percent less of the guy (laughs) he's and he does he does the most annoying the thing that bothers me the most when people tell stories is that he says, I don't even know how to describe this, but he says you a lot. So he'll be like, and then you get in the water yeah. and you start swimming <laughs> and you see the octopus. And it's like, no, you did. That. I saw the yeah. octopus. I got in the water. I know that's like the dumbest thing. And most people probably don't care about that. But every time people do that in stories, I'm like, you got to change this. There's a moment where he's about to describe a shark removing one of the octopuses. Spoiler leg. alert. Sorry, but he like takes off his glasses and like rubs his mm-hmm. brow. And I'm like, okay, buddy. It's like, much. You're, you, you're a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really cool movie to watch. I really loved that octopus. Yeah. I learned a lot about octopi from yeah. this movie. Again, just give me a little less of the guy. Did you watch it with your kids? Yeah, Ivy watched it with Did us. she like it She too? did. And she's like still talking about the octopus. It feels like uh, it feels like kids probably seven and up would, would get yeah, into it. Yeah, because it's enough. captivating. It's, yeah. And it's like colorful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she liked it. Cool. Um, we watched This is a Robbery on Netflix, which is about the robbery of the Gardner Museum in Boston. And I think 1991, where they took like a Vermeer and a um, Renoir and well, like... I think two million worth of paintings. Okay. And it's a four part series. Eli, I fell asleep in every installment. Every single you, you kept going. Installment. Uh-huh. I would fall asleep watching. I never fall asleep watching shows at okay. night. Unless I'm like melatonin <laughs> up and it's midnight, you know. I am uh-huh. watching. I I don't know what to say. I didn't think it was boring necessarily but it conked me out oh man okay so if you interpret that as you will (laughs) it was interesting ish there's no real conclusion it ended and i was kind of like okay yeah so that happened but you 
Like, it's not solved. They didn't yeah. solve it. Yeah. And I'm like, did we need four episodes? Oh, I hate that when they leave you like that. Oh, like every true crime podcast, oh you're like... Gosh. Do you remember season one serial? It was one of my favorite things was all of the jokes around the fact that they never came to a conclusion because everyone was so captivated. And um, I think it was college humor. Did funny or die. Funny or die. That's what it was. Did a parody video of Sarah Koenig going in on her last day to record the final episode of season one serial. And everyone in the hall, like all the production are like, Sarah's so excited to hear the ending. And she's like, yeah, totally. And then she like goes and hides in the bathroom and calls the guy and is like, you got to give me something. (laughs) And then she's like, I did it. It's so funny. Yeah, so not a super satisfying end to that one. Um, and then Mayor of Easttown is so good. Yeah? It's so, so good. Um, the fifth episode, which is the one that just aired, is an insane hour of television. Like, I was crawl, I was like jumping out of bed watching. Like, it was like, I had like physical reactions to this hour of TV. HBO, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Emily and I are doing a Patreon on it. You can become a member at patreon.com forward slash HiveMindHQ. I'm really loving it. I'm sad that there's only seven episodes. Is it just one season? One yeah. series? Yeah, a mini series. Oh, so okay. Check it out. Okay. And then Top Chef, and I'm recording with Irene in a minute about that. So we'll have an episode available for you tomorrow. Then we, <laughs> okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. I don't even know, Meg. Um, So the woman in the window was supposed, well, it was supposed to premiere in theaters in 2019 and it got pushed to 2020. And then for obvious reasons, it got pushed to 2021 and it finally premiered on Netflix. You would think given the three years they had to make improvements on this movie that they would make a movie that at the bare minimum made sense oh my gosh meg so i asked you and i proposed as a hypothetical do you think hillbilly elegy broke amy adams but this this was before hillbilly so yeah woman in the window may have been what broke amy adams i just was this amy's fault though yes <laughs> i have so many thoughts about why this is her her fault it's a lot okay, of people's fault let me let me say i read the book there's a book. Okay. There's a book. This is based on a book. And we will get to the drama behind the book after we talk about the movie okay. because that's a whole other thing. The book is not great. Okay. The book is very much like any thriller that's come out in the last 10 years. In fact, I got to the twist in the book and I was like, you have to be kidding me because it's the same twist yeah. that's been in every Everywhere. thriller I've read yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll talk spoilers here. But... The book at least made you feel connected to characters. It made you feel connected to Anne, Anna, Anna's husband and daughter. Okay. They were main characters okay. in the book. And it made you feel connected to the Ross son. And it made you feel connected to her therapist. There were people in this book who you thought, oh, I care what happens to them. Okay. 
None of that no, in no, this no, movie. No. I didn't care about anybody. Look, this is the this is why I think it's Amy Adams' fault. It's everyone's fault, and she's partly at fault. This movie is so terribly written. It sounds like. Do you want to do you want to hear something tragic? Yes. Tracy Letts wrote this. Who is that? He's the psychiatrist in it. He's in Little Women as the oh, publisher. He's no. in Lady Bird as the dad. No. It sounds like it was written in Slovakian, yeah. and then they used Google Translate, and they read the script live straight off of Google. And like Gary and Oldman, when he's doing line reads, I'm like, what is what is this? Every, what is your voice? Everyone. Every, I, am not, I am not exaggerating. I am not making an exception for a single person in this film. Everyone doing line readings sounds like a robot who has lost its power everyone and the way the people in this film communicate with one another is not the way any humans have ever communicated in a conversation it's like my sentence your sentence my sentence your sentence and they're not interrupting one another they're not changing their tone they're not they're not reacting the way normal people would like suddenly somebody's screaming and it's like why is that person yelling and then suddenly somebody's crying and it's like why is that person none of their reactions to one another I am 100% convinced that they were all just given their lines and they just read them to a wall. And they're like, I guess somebody's going to respond to me when in post-production when they okay, put this well, together. Okay, here's, well, here's what's interesting. They finished filming this movie and then they tested it on test audiences. And test audiences says, this, this didn't make sense. We yeah. don't understand what happened here. So they went back and they did reshoots. So the reshoots could maybe explain why it feels so stiff and the pacing is so weird. So weird. But I think reshoots are fairly common and other movies make them seamless. This may be what the reshoots may have caused some of this problem that I'm going to mention. This movie felt like when I was 11, my childhood best friend Sam and I used to put on plays on his trampoline and we would force his entire family to come out and watch our plays. Yeah, they classic. were terrible. Yeah. And we would do this thing where in the middle of the play, we would stop the play over and over again to explain something that we forgot to explain to them. So we'd be like, get over here. And we'd be like, oh, wait, um, the, the trampoline right here is water and there's some sharp on the side okay anyway action get over here yeah. that's what this movie felt like where there's like a scene for example where amy adams gives the most absurd long monologue to an entire room of people yeah where she's like and she's not the wife and the son is being abused and it's so dramatic and then all of a sudden one of the fbi agents who's standing in the kitchen says your family is dead your family is is dead and then they like zoom out and do like a whole flashback showing her family die and then they come back to the fbi agent she's like your family is dead right and then they like it's they almost like turn to the camera and they're like get it it's a hallucination and like that's what the whole movie felt like to me yeah yeah Yes. And then there's a car in the kitchen and you're like, you have to be kidding me. Is this like this is a bad eighth grade play? Like it's so what I I mentioned this, but what really frustrates me and the, the big twist in this is that she you're led to believe that her husband and her daughter are living somewhere else while she is home alone as an agoraphobe. And in the book, it kind of makes you think like, oh, she's got some stuff to work out. Again, the book is not good, but at least you're at least there's like following it and there's like, oh, that's plausible. Yeah. You know, and she talks to them often on the phone, like every night you hear their conversations like every night. 
Neighbors, s- neighbors move in across the street. Yeah. She becomes fixated on them. Yeah, it tells her husband about it. She's constantly telling yeah. her husband about it. So when the twist comes that her husband and her daughter are dead, you're like, oh my gosh, what a revelation. Yeah. Sure, it's the same twist I've read in 13 yeah. other books, but hey, it's a twist. In this, you're like, wait, what? Like, so what? So is yeah. she... Like hallucinating. What did you or, think when you heard that? Like, did that have any impact on you? I mean, I so very early on in this movie, th- this movie was not subtle in how it presented. Right, its there's story. pictures of the daughter on the mirror. It's so absurd. And so very early on in the movie, I'm like, okay, they're not showing the husband or daughter. And then she meets the neighbors, uh, like the husband, wife, and son, all separately. And then it shows Julianne Moore, the wife, getting murdered through the window, but you don't see the murderer. Yeah. And they, the movie just wants you to assume that it was her husband who did the murder. And it was like, obviously, it wasn't the husband. Otherwise, they would have shown him. And she's obviously losing her mind a little bit. And I think her husband and child are dead and that she's hallucinating that like it was like not hard to figure this out. And so by the time that revelation came, I was just like, of course. (laughs) And when are we going to find out that the husband didn't actually do the murder either? And then that came and and then it turned out it was the weird son who did the murder. Who looks like a miniature walking phoenix. Oh, my gosh. And that kid was everybody. Everyone is bad in this movie. That kid is the worst. He is so bad in this movie. And uh, you know what? I think Julianne Moore could have been okay. I, if she I had actually think she was okay. With. I think she was okay. Her, her lines were horrible. Yeah. But uh, she was, she at least had like body language that I was like, this kind of feels natural. And she's like sitting in the kitchen. She's really only in one scene. Yeah. She's sitting in the kitchen talking to Amy Adams and she's talking and she seems a little unhinged and a little weird, quirky. And she's talking about how much she loves her baby boy. And this is the scene they show on the Netflix preview. And I think it's because it's the only palatable scene in the entire movie. Right. Is the two of them talking. It's the most natural interaction between two characters that you ever see. And so I do I do think this movie could have benefited from a little more Julianne Moore. Yeah. Does that character show up more in the book? Yeah, yeah mm, kind of, kind of. There's more explanation about who she is and why, mm. um, but there's not much more dialogue from her. Okay. Um, the, the one person I thought did do okay was David, the tenant, who is actually Kurt Russell and De- uh, Goldie Hawn's son. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Okay. Dumb role. He was okay. Okay. Amy Adams, you can't just put on 10 pounds and not wear makeup. Like, that's not, that does not a character make. What? Okay, let's talk about Amy Adams. What is going on? I mean, I just kind of feel like Netflix is doing her dirty, honestly. Because this is, last year, you and I both said, Hillbilly Elegy, easily the worst movie I saw last year. Maybe one of the top five worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. This movie... Easily the worst movie I've seen this year. Maybe one of the top five worst movies I've ever seen. I know. This movie, by the way, felt like Serenity. Serenity was one step more nutty and ridiculous. So more fun to watch, I think. Well, I'll say I 
found Serenity to be a completely miserable watch. Mm-hmm. I was at least like entertained by by this movie last night, but only because I was laughing the whole time. Yeah, Serenity, it would be like I would laugh for a while, and then I'd be sitting there like, why am I watching Matthew McConaughey swim naked, lovingly shot in an ocean <laughs> for ten minutes? But this movie last night, like every second was funny. Yeah, every single second was funny in this. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You're right. And it's it's also I just I wonder how Amy Adams felt watching this, you know? Mm-hmm. The, I think a lot about the uh the the room mm-hmm. the disaster artist. The disaster artist. Mm-hmm. That scene when they're all watching it and they're like, "Oh no." Ooh, this you know, and terrible. I wonder how often that happens to stars and it's like, "What can you do? You're in it." Well, famously that happened with Cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, this is out here, and like, do I think Amy Adams' career is over? No, no, no. like she is talented, but she can't put out several more of these no. and recover. She's like, Amy, listen, she got to knock the next one out of the park. <laughs> you need to, you need to talk to your agent about what projects you're willing to take on. What's wild is this director has done good things. He did Atonement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the Darkest Hour, which wasn't my fame favorite, but, it but critically like, acclaimed. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a he's a real director, and I'm like, did did post production during COVID mess this up? It, was it just like it went? It passed through too many different hands, and it was like when a group decides where to eat for lunch. You yeah. know, like what what happened? Movie by committee. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think here's my theory. I think it's Dan Mallory's fault. Who's that? Dan Mallory. Is the author okay. who goes by A.J. Finn. Okay. Pen name. He had to use a pen name because his reputation in the publishing industry is so terrible. Based on what? Okay. He got into Oxford with an application essay that claimed both his mother and his brother had died. Guess who are both alive? Oh, no. He faked an English accent for years. You can't do that. He said he had a brain tumor. Did not have a brain oh, tumor. No. He. What else did he claim? He claimed all. Oh, he claimed that he was the one that got J.K. Rowling's like detective novel published. <laughs> like he lied all around the publishing industry. Okay. And after the woman in the window came out, all these people were like, "Hold up, this guy sucks." Oh my god. Here's the thing, though. Does it matter if he sucks? Like if, if he he's wrote, writing good stuff. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. But if it sells books. Yeah. Here's the other thing. They're now making a movie about all the lies he told. So he keeps winning. Oh, no. I don't like that. He keeps like failing up. Ugh. And I just wonder, like, is this movie part of that failing up? You know? Well, is it? I mean, so this movie has like 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's only getting mocked. Yeah. Right. And so, like, ultimately, in the long run, is this going to be a good thing for him? I don't think it's a bad thing for him. The thing that's weird about this, too, is it's clearly a high budgeted film. 40 million. Yeah. It, you can tell it, it's, it looks pretty. Oh, house, the cinematography is great. The set is is great. Yeah. Her house is, is pitch perfect. Stacked cast. Stacked cast. They got whoever they wanted for this. And, and it's just a terrible script. And maybe the directing was really... The directing must have been bad. Like, yeah. You you don't come out of this with good directing, right? Although Ron Howard did Hillbilly Elegy. I don't know anything Yeah, but Ron anymore. Howard has had is some he, misses. Is he... He's kind of... I, 
But that's the thing. Like, you can have misses. Mm -hmm. But not two in a row, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Meryl had a while there where she wasn't doing great stuff. Did she have... I don't think I've ever seen Meryl in a movie that is half as bad as this or Hillbilly Elegy. Iron Lady. I love Iron Lady, and that lady won an Oscar for that. Yeah. So the Academy agrees. You should read the New Yorker article on Dan Mallory. It is fascinating. I don't have four days. Yeah, I know. Every New Yorker article is like, wow, it's still the going. Scroll bar is... Is, the scroll bar is a is a grain of sand. And, and if you like, exit oh. out to do something else and you start, it's like, no! <laughs> I don't know where I was. I'm all the way at the top again. <laughs> Woman in the window. Complete nightmare. I really enjoyed watching it. I, okay, I want to talk about the final scene, by the way. For just a second, it's not the final Which scene. Which is completely the, different from the book. The, by the battle way. scene. Yeah. It, didn't the it feel sun, like Gaston and the Beast? Yes, up on the roof yes. of the building while it's raining. The sun comes over and reveals through lots of exposition that actually I'm the one who did the murderers. Right. Because like, apparently we're still doing that in some movies. And then Amy Adams and this 14 year old boy have a battle royale that is so violent. Yeah. And does not match the tone of the rest of the movie. Right. He at one point, what are those things called? The gardening hose. The with the with the it looks with like a three fork. prong three yeah. prong hand. Does it have a name? I don't know. He at one point hits her in the face, and it goes the all three prongs go through her face. Yeah, it's very Quentin it's, Tarantino. It is. It felt like Quentin Tarantino. And it's like blood everywhere, everywhere, and it's so painful to watch and gross. And I was just like. This is not the movie I've been watching for 90 minutes. But you could say that about any scene, honestly. Yeah. One scene to the next is a completely like, different movie. It's like not, vignettes. Yeah, it really is like vignettes, loosely connected. Yeah, or like a, a album of short stories or something. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. So I recommend watching it. I totally it. recommend it. I 100% <laughs> recommend this film. I would not recommend it if you had to pay for it. No. But it's on Netflix, and I really recommend this movie. Yeah. yeah. Also, the book, like, if you have a project that's going to require 10 hours of your time and you need something to listen to, it's entertaining. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> maybe a listener will. Um, I actually just started Nine Perfect Strangers because it's they're making it into an HBO series okay. with Nicole Kidman, of course, because Ugh. they can't do... They can't do a thriller series without Nicole Kidman, but Nine Perfect Strangers already is like... 80 times the book this is. And it's Leanne Moriarty, who I love. She's like the perfect beach read read author. So Dan Mallory can go to hell. Have we gone back to the olden days when you had a contract with like a production company and you had to be in all of their movies? That's what this feels like. And that, that. by the way, there's a new Ryan Murphy out on Netflix. And I'm like, how many shows did he sign up to do here? Okay, Meg, I cannot believe I did not send this to you. Give me two seconds here. Um, did you see somebody did an article about Ryan Murphy? It's on Hollywood Reporter, and it's about like how Ryan Murphy puts out so much crap. Yeah. This quote, um, Halston, which is yeah. the movie that he did. Yeah. Halston is not as bizarrely conceived as ratchet or as mad- maddeningly uh, inconsistent and bad as the politician, but it's lacking enough in perspective and structure to make one wonder about the sort of creative nurturing the Ryan Murphy brand is getting at Netflix. And if he, like his version of Halston, isn't starting to miss creating for the sake of art and rave reviews. Just like he's just putting out whatever he can to try and get attention at this point. Yeah. When was the... well? 
When was the last time Ryan Murphy made something good? I like the O.J. Simpson thing. You didn't. I, I was. I thought it was a little cheesy. I liked season two of that show, the uh, Versace. Yeah, and I did like Feud. Feud is see that. three episodes too long, but it's about uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Mm. And that was interesting, but, but that's because it was um, Susan Sarandon and the other actor's name is escaping me, doing great performances. Okay. And it's a real story when it's like Ryan. And that's probably why Halston isn't as bad as Hollywood because it's like a real person and he has to somewhat stick to their life facts. When it's him just going wild, we get Glee Glee. and the politician and someone. There's a TikTok going around where it's like post the scene from Glee that makes you think everyone involved should be in jail. (laughs) And it's like all these people dancing in wheelchairs and they turn to the guy in the wheelchair and they're like, this is for you. And it's like, how did this happen? And the guy in the wheelchair also does not use a wheelchair in real life. How do we? They're not even casting like disabled actors. Oh, I hate. I, I mean, obviously at some point we should just do like a full on hate podcast uh, i can do glee uh, someone suggested we do glee every episode and i was like i won't make it through i will end up in an institution but maybe we could do like an episode where we talk about like here are the top 10 worst things about glee and then try and narrow it down (laughs) i i have an entire like 12 years of history on the internet of me just complaining about glee i hate it so much yeah i can't believe it happened it's going to go down in history books and our children are going to be like, this was on TV. Yeah. You know, they yeah. won't believe it. Yeah. All right. No, everybody, woman in the window, if you need a laugh. <laughs> I mean, I like feel bad. I just feel bad for everyone involved. I think there were a lot of missteps. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, they were supposed to do the music. And I think they read the script and they were like, nah, bro. Good and they went and call. did Soul instead and they won an Oscar. That worked out for them. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Again, I'm so sorry about this Apple podcast issue. If you're if you're having the issue, you might not be listening to this podcast because you don't know it exists. But tell your friends that we're available on literally every other platform. Just Apple is the worst. And we're working to get it resolved. Um, become a patron at patreon.com forward slash HiveMindHQ. And subscribe to our newsletter, HiveMind.substack.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. We had a listener... Right in wanting us to do um, some what he calls good Jake Gyllenhaal. We're going to start with Nightcrawler, which mm-hmm. I've never seen. Yep. It's one of those movies that always escaped me. I'm excited to watch it and see creepy Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, by the way, um, the movie they're making about Dan Mallory, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play him. Really? Which is good casting, honestly. Huh. All right, I will withhold my Jake Gyllenhaal opinions because this this listener wrote in because I've said disparaging things about Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal. So I will withhold those opinions until I've seen a good, quote-unquote, good Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Okay, great. And remember, if you have requests, you can email me, meg at thebeehive.com or meg at hivemindhq.com. Either email works. We love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.